Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Tooth and Claw, a show where we talk about the most intense real wild animal attacks and what we can learn about how to avoid, prevent, and survive them. Today, Wes walks us through a vicious hippo attack on a man that he describes on multiple occasions as looking like a James Bond villain. His name is Paul Templer. Uh, we couldn't get a hold of the hippo to find out its name. But all the same, it's a story worth listening to, especially if you're looking for some life hacks on how to make it through a wild encounter with a hippopotamus. Real quick before we get started, we wanted to take a small moment to thank all of you who have left us some really nice reviews on Apple's podcast platform. Uh, I, for one, was not expecting to hear from so many of you guys, and it really motivates us to keep it going and just makes us feel good about what we're doing. So thanks. And please, if you have anyone that you think would enjoy our show, share some of our stuff with them. That would really be a big help to us. Oh, and uh, fair warning, this episode starts with a direct and quite frankly slanderous attack on my character from Jeff that has really nothing at all to do with hippos, so uh, if you want to skip all that, just move forward to around the three minute mark. Alright, let's get to this episode's story. Alright, welcome back. Jeff, Wes, and Mike here. Hey. How you guys hey. doing? Good. So, fill you in with what's been going on here. Me and Mike are in like a really tiny roommate fight, I think. I'm not even sure if he realizes it. Okay. But like on Saturday... It doesn't look he like comes he home. It. He comes home with a milkshake from Arctic Circle. Uh-huh. So I'm just like, hey, what type of milkshake did you get? He's just quiet for like 10 straight seconds, and then he just goes... Ice cream. <laughs> That's such an exaggeration. That is and, not then, and then I'm just like, okay, whatever. And then he starts talking to me about flavors of milkshakes he likes, like gummy bear and stuff. Yeah, gummy so, bear milkshakes. <laughs> I mean, not flavored like a gummy bear. Sometimes I like a gummy bear in my ice cream. Though. All right. I like a, whatever. How hard so then, like, I can't even just get over that he won't tell me what type of shake it is because uh-huh. we're talking about milkshake flavors. Why so do I'm you like, need to know? <laughs> why won't you just tell me what flavor it is? This is unbelievable. <laughs> and then on Sunday, he goes to his parents' house, comes home. With a delicious looking thing of lasagna to be baked in the oven. Mm -hmm. So yesterday, I'm like sitting in the living room. He starts getting the lasagna ready. And I want some lasagna. (laughs) But I'm not going to just straight up ask him for it. I don't know why, but I'm not. I'm like, oh, we're going to make some lasagna. I think there's some carryover from the whole milkshake thing where I'm talking about his food. It was a week oh. ago. No <laughs> one in their right mind would remember. It. Okay, whatever, keep going. <laughs> and, then, and then I start making a lot of Garfield jokes because it's a Monday and he's eating lasagna. Uh-huh. But then I go in the kitchen once the lasagna's out and I'm just kind of like over his shoulder looking at it. Uh-huh. He gives himself one square. I turn around for like a second, and when I like look back, he's already got the rest of it covered up with tinfoil and putting if it in the fridge. If you would have just simply asked, <laughs> no jury would convict. This he, is outrageous. I just can't believe that all of a sudden the onus is on me to offer lasagna that you know I gladly would have shared. I've never had a... Okay, whatever. This no, doesn't need to keep going. But <laughs> what flavor is your milkshake? It was Reese's. Oh, okay. Why would cool. you tell him? Because I know I walk in with something in my... My hands and all of a sudden it's like a meerkat popping out of its hole and it's like ooh, what's mike got this time you speaking wanna... of milkshakes uh we're talking, talking about, hippos about hippos today <laughs> you want to know what flavor my lasagna was uh yeah lasagna oh, what would it be tomatoes tomato pasta <laughs> what does meat, lasagna taste meat like? flavored yeah anyway that's quite the intro 
we are going to talk about hippos. Hippos are probably one of the animals that we've had requested the most from our listeners to do a story about. Uh, They were always on our list of an animal that we wanted to talk about. So we are going to talk about them. And I'm excited because I didn't know too much about hippos and I had to do a lot of research and I've learned a lot about hippos. So we're going to be talking about an attack that actually happened in 1996 to this guy named Paul Templer uh, in Zimbabwe. And one thing, uh, so the the actual name of the animal is hippopotamus. I think everyone knows that, but we just call them hippos. Do you know what I tried? I tried to think of animal names that are funnier than hippo. Yeah, it's, hippopotamus. A good, it's a good. I didn't name. come out. I'll, hippopotamus wanna... is very satisfying to say. It's, I'll give you a quick. Jeff, can you say hippopotamus? Hippopotamus. Good. Uh, good job. Yeah, you got it. I think so I came ahead. up with dingo. Dingo's fun. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Dugong. Dugong. Yeah. Uh, Duckbill platypus. Mm-hmm. And then I found one in my research called a spiny lump sucker. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a bird? I don't know. I didn't bird, really want to bird know. Bird names are always great because yeah. there's like blue-footed booby, uh, oh, that's a great one. tit. You know, there's yeah. like a lot of <laughs> pretty funny bird names. Uh, Dung beetle. Dung beetle's funny. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of funny. Yeah. That's uh, bathroom humor, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Gross. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I think I do think they're an animal though where their nickname has become really normalized. Uh, I, like Gator is the only one I could think of that is another one that's shortened that we really use their nickname a lot. Anyway, yeah. we're talking about hippopotamus. I'm mostly going to be saying hippo just because it's easier to say, not as fun to say, but easier. Okay, so I think we're ready. Are you guys ready for the story? Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. So as I mentioned, uh, this attack happened in Zimbabwe. Uh, Zimbabwe is a country in Africa. It's just north of South Africa. Paul Templer is a native Zimbabwean. He actually think he maybe was born in the U.S., but he moved to Zimbabwe pretty early, lived a long time in there. He is kind of like this big, tall, uh, like bald white dude, just for your kind of visual image. Uh, And he was a river guide who owned his own business on the Zambezi River near Victoria Falls. You guys are probably familiar with Victoria Falls. It's that really amazing system of waterfalls in Southern Africa. uh, And it forms the border between a few countries there. And now I'm wondering if I'm right that Zimbabwe is just directly north of South Africa. But I can't remember. I mean, most of everything in Africa is north of (laughs) South Africa. So you're right. But it forms a border with South Africa. So I do think it's directly north. Anyway. Paul Templer is a river guide. He owns his own business. At 27, he considers himself to be a river expert. He spent a lot of time on the Zambezi River guiding this particular stretch of river. And he takes people out on canoes and they look for wildlife and they enjoy this really beautiful country and this really beautiful part of Zimbabwe. So on this particular day, it's March uh, 6th, 1996. Paul is out and he's on high alert. And it's because Six months previous, a big bull hippo had charged him, bluff charged his boat, and attacked an empty upturned canoe. And the hippo had been like biting the water and showing some really aggressive behavior. Now, Paul's really familiar with hippos, but the behavior of this particular bull hippo seemed abnormally aggressive to him. Uh, It was definitely the most aggressive hippo he'd seen. And in addition, he had heard that there'd been six other reports of this uh, aggressive hippo in the area. Why would it be aggressive? Is they they're like they're like a lot of animals where they have a harem. So like the bull has multiple females that he breeds with, and when nice. there's yeah, <laughs> and when that when you have that system in nature, usually those bulls are really territorial and aggressive. 
So think about like sea lions, which we've swam with. Sometimes when you go out there and you get too close, those bulls come in and they start charging you and really letting you know that you're too close to their females. And that's a lot of times what happens with these bull hippos. And they're the bulls a lot bigger than they are. Yeah. We'll get into how big they are, but, um, Oh, and real quick, Zim- there's four countries above South Africa, and Zimbabwe is one of them. Okay. It's right next to, like, Botswana, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's right. It's okay. right next Anything to else you want okay. to And Mozambique? Mozambique. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we just need to have a show where we have Jeff pronounce places around the world. Okay. Yeah, so these big bull hippos can be really aggressive. Females with calves can be really aggressive. Hippos are a really aggressive animal. So Paul is really aware of the fearsome reputation that hippos have in Africa. He's not taking the threat lightly. So a little bit about hippos, just so you guys can understand this threat. They are primarily vegetarian. They hardly ever eat meat. But they are reportedly responsible for more human deaths in Africa than any other large mammal. And that's due to their territorial nature. Now, I want to talk a little bit about that statistic later, but for this point, we're just going to accept that. They can weigh up to 6,000 pounds, although some of the articles I read said up to 9,000. They're the third largest type of land mammal. That's so heavy. Yeah, it's big. The only thing that's bigger is elephants, rhinoceros. (laughs) (laughs) Wait. (laughs) We were making yo mama jokes earlier, and we both just thought of one right when you said the only thing is bigger. that's bigger. (laughs) Yeah, that is. <laughs> we don't usually. That's not <laughs> typically our brand of humor. The only thing that's jokes. bigger is an elephant, a rhinoceros, and your mama. Right. Uh, okay. No, but really, they're the third largest type of land mammal. Uh, elephants and rhinoceroses are bigger. They're the next. And they're pretty on par with rhinoceroses. I read only white rhinoceroses are bigger. Yeah, white rhinoceroses are bigger Black rhinoceroses are around the same size, from what I remember. We could have that backwards, but I don't think so. They also have really huge canines and incisors that grow out. Uh, When you look at a skull of a hippo, they look like an alien because they have like kind of a normal molar set and then just these teeth that just kind of go all over the place. Their teeth are crazy. Yeah, and they're often called tusks, but they're really just canines and incisors. And they can grow up to a foot long, so that's really long. A lot of times you see cartoons of hippos with these kind of blunted small teeth and really their teeth get really super long. Yeah. I always I always thought they were tusks. They always reminded me of walrus. Tusk. Like, a oh. tusk is often a tooth. Okay. It's just like a tooth guess, that yeah. they don't use for for eating necessarily. And with hippos they don't. They don't use those incisors and canines for eating. Yeah. They're for um, fights with other hippos, for defending against other predators, for for aggression, essentially. Right. Hippo, they always reminded me of a walrus that shaved its mustache. <laughs> okay. Interesting. I mean, you'll see, if you look at the next time yeah, you see I a get hippo, what you're saying. Um, you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, they have a 2,000 PSI bite force. That's up there. I mean, that's one of the strongest in the animal kingdom. And they can extend their mouths to almost 180 degrees. So, I mean, they can open wow. them so it's like they have like weird jaw flexors and stuff to where they can pretty much open them all the way. Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen videos where they toss watermelons to hippos and they just completely obliterate them in one bite. Yeah. Uh, so, a crazy thing about hippo attacks, 
Uh, again, we're going to get into that number of they kill up to 500 people a year. But the thing that actually has been tested is that they kill humans in roughly 87% of their attacks. So these guys, when they attack a human, it often leads to a fatality. It's not an attack where you're probably going to walk away. And the other 13% probably get pretty messed up. Yeah, and so I don't know if you guys understand what a confidence interval is, but it's when you analyze data, there's a confidence interval that says, you know, it could be this much and it could be this much. That's at the upper end of that confidence interval. So it could be less than that. It could be like mm -hmm. 50% or something. It was a really big confidence interval for that, but it's up to 87%. And in, you know, in comparison, grizzly bears is like 5%, shark attacks is like 23%. And even crocodiles, which I thought were like really high, is around 25%. So hippos are probably the most fatal of any animal when, when you're talking about attacks on humans. Wow. So I got a lot of the information. I, when I do this research, I try really hard to find like scientifically supported information because I think there's a lot of uh, false information about most of the animals we talk about. And I hate as a bear biologist when I get online and I read an article that people are quoting that has myths and stuff about bears. So I try and find stuff that is as free of, of myths as possible. So I found this medical publication where they're talking about how they treat hippo bites. And it was one of the only publications I could find that talked in depth about hippo attacks. But it's something interesting from that publication is that they recommended that hippo attacks be treated as major trauma rather than mammalian bite. So they're like, when they get a hippo attack victim, it's like, okay, we need to, this is like triage. We need to have, you know, major right. trauma ready. Okay. Also, you can find videos online of bull hippos taking on pretty much every animal in Africa, uh, including elephants, rhinoceroses, lions. I saw this video where a hippo is out of the water and a lion kind of is investigating it and then the lion's just kind of casually walking away the hippo charges it just grabs it by the head and just tosses it through the air oh, I no, mean, that's awesome yeah they're like one of the top dogs i think really the only thing that gives them a run for their money is elephants so on march 9th sorry i said the 6th earlier but it's march 9th paul was doing what he'd done hundreds of times and he's leading a group of six tourists down the river uh, the group consisted of three canoes and a kayak. So Paul was paddling this lead canoe with two tourists in the canoe with him, and each of the other canoes had a paddler. There was an experienced guide plus two tourists, and then the kayak had like a guide that was kind of moving in between, making sure everything was okay. So they're paddling around this extremely scenic part of the river. They're about a half mile up the river from Victoria Falls, and they round a corner where Paul spots a hippo with a calf, so a female hippo with a calf. And he understands hippo behavior, and he knows that mother hippos protecting calves can be really unpredictable and pretty aggressive. So he decides to break off and take this other small arm of the river and try and avoid this female with the calf. Now, he also knew that this male that had charged him earlier had been seen in that part of the river, but typically it hung out further downstream. So he wasn't really thinking about it. And right as he was kind of just registering that that hippo was there and that the male could be around, the canoe pulling up the rear got completely lifted up in the air. He turns around to see the guide in that canoe go flying through the air. Oh, wow. And Paul immediately turns around. He knows what's happening. He paddles to pull that guide out of the water. And as soon as he reaches out to grab him, he says their fingertips were almost touching. He's just engulfed in darkness. <laughs> no. What? So the hippo had surged out of the water and swallowed him. 
Oh, man. Uh, the lights go out. <laughs> like in one gulp? Yeah. He What he says is like he didn't know what happened. Like he knew a hippo had just like blasted this boat out of the water. But all of a sudden, you know, he's in his boat reaching out for this guy. And then he's just in darkness. Yeah. <laughs> he feels around and his torso is completely dry and his legs are wet. So the hippo has him like by the middle. His upper half is completely in its mouth and his legs are sticking out. Wow. Yeah, and he smells this terrible rotten egg smell, and he manages to get an arm free, and he pulls out his arm and starts reaching around, and he feels all these bristly, like, kind of wiry um, bristles that the hippo has on its mouth, like whiskers. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm in a hippo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He starts fighting and wriggling around, and the hippo kind of adjusts its bite for a second, and he gets a gap, and he manages to get free, and he swims to the surface. And on the surface, he grabs this other guide whose name, um, in some of the articles, they called him Evan, and some of them, they called him Evans. I'm going to call him Evan. But he grabs Evan, uh, who was, like, struggling to even keep afloat, and they start backstroking for sure. Now, he understands that a second attack is really rare, so he thinks, like, pretty much the worst of it is over. But the hippo proves him wrong (laughs) really quickly. So it grabs him again. And it bites into him with those huge incisors and canines and pulls him down, separating from Evan. Paul finds himself on the bottom of the river, this time with his lower half in the, in the mouth of the hippo. And he's staring up at the surface and just wondering who can hold their breath the longest. And as he's sitting there, and the hippo can, just yeah, so yeah, you can yeah. As he's sitting there, he remembers seeing clouds of his own blood drifting up to the surface. So he knows he's in trouble. So he well, starts... It's especially hard to... Hold your breath when a hippo's biting your waist. Right. Like, if you try and just hold your breath and you're calm and, like, thinking about holding your breath, you can go a while. I bet we could go a couple minutes. But, like, if you've ever, like, held my head underwater or something, it's like after five seconds, seconds, you feel like you're about to die, you know? And that's, I'm yeah, I'm sure he was, like, I mean, I'm amazed. He, yeah. yeah. Anyway, he starts fighting as hard as he can because he doesn't want to drown. He doesn't want this hippo to kill him. And the hippo releases him again, and he swims to the surface. So he reaches the surface, and he's like, okay, two attacks. It's not going to happen a third time. (laughs) Starts swimming to his friends, turns around and sees the hippo just full-on charging at him, mouth wide open. Why would it even let go of him? Like in the first place. Well, it's not trying to eat him, and it like he fought back pretty hard, and I'm guessing it just was like opening its mouth to adjust, and he got out. Okay. Um. So you could say that this was not a case of a hungry, hungry hippo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd say it was an angry, angry hippo, not a hungry, hungry hippo. <laughs> so hippos charging at him. Its mouth is wide open, which is a really aggressive sign for them. If they're ever yawning or have their mouths open, it usually means they're aggressive, and it bites them a third time. This time his legs are sticking out one side and his arms and shoulder and head are the other side. So it has him like bitten in the middle and he's sticking out the side of it. He's got him every every way he could get him. Uh, And this time the hippo just goes absolutely nuts. It goes berserk. It's like eating a hot dog from the middle first. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A big old Paul hot dog. So everyone on shore said that at this point it looked like a dog with a rag doll and the hippo's just shaking him back and forth tossing him up in the air and grabbing him again and like slamming him into the water and pulling him underwater. So he, what he ends up doing is grabbing these teeth that are inside, like going through him and holding on to him as hard as he can, because that way 
his flesh isn't tearing as much as it shakes him around because he can literally feel his flesh like separating and tearing as these huge teeth are ripping through him. That's amazing. Yeah. Finally, you know, the hippo gets frustrated and just releases him because, you know, typically when a hippo does that to any animal, by now it's dead. And he's managed to survive and he's holding on to these teeth and it just releases him and disappears. So Paul... This guy who was in the kayak, I think his name so was... So technically he wins the fight because the hippo gave up. <laughs> yeah, He left the ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah So the guy that was in the kayak is really brave because he paddles over to Paul at this point uh, and helps him to shore. Paul is a long way from help. He's in really bad shape. His left arm is completely just smashed into a bloody pulp, like in a million pieces. Blood's pouring from gaping holes in his chest. Uh, one of his friends turns him over and looks through one of those holes and they can see his lung which had been injured and it's like struggling to inflate but they can actually see his lung and he's in unbelievable pain like he says he remembers thinking he didn't know that a human body could support that much pain without dying and he actually like wanted to kill himself which is something that i kind of appreciated in his story because a lot of times when you read these stories, like you can kind of tell the person's putting on like a brave face, you know, which I think is great. Like I can't imagine what it would be like to be attacked by an animal. And I'm not doubting that a lot of these people really just truly wanted to survive no matter what. But he was like, I wanted to die. It's like when I woke up and stubbed my toe on my new massage chair. <laughs> it's just that type he wanted of pain. To die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say this is a little bit higher than that. Uh, now, luckily... He usually had a gun that he had on his side, and he had lost this gun during the attack. He never really had a chance to use it. But had he had this gun on him, he said he 100% would have killed himself. So, Just because he couldn't handle it. Because he couldn't handle it. It sucks. Pain. Like, most of the time when people are in that much pain, I feel like they pass out. Yeah, and he's fully coherent. Yeah, that'd be awful. Now, he really lucked out because there was a medical team nearby that was on some emergency drill on the river. And so they showed up and did, like, some quick triage and like dressed his wounds and then they helped get him to a a hospital which was called the victoria's hall victoria falls hospital but i think it took him like eight hours to get to the hospital and this whole time he's in a ton of pain so doctors found over 40 puncture wounds and bite marks on his body they had to amputate his left arm uh, and the hippo had narrowly missed his heart kidney and could have done much more damage to his lungs he also mentioned that the tusks like skimmed his vertebrae his spine and stuff Uh, They had actually severed an artery and then immediately closed that artery too. Like it severed it and then closed it. Oh, wow. And he really lucked out there because had that artery been severed and opened, he would have bled out in the water. Dead as a doornail. Yeah, so he was really lucky to survive. Now, who wasn't as lucky was Evan, the guide who had been thrown in the water. They never found him. Or no, sorry. They found him two days later, his body. So he had probably drowned. Um, I think they actually blamed the hippo like that counted as like a hippo fatality, but, um, chances are he just drowned. The hippo was never located. Mm. So Paul thinks he ran into the same hippo like years later and I guess it like busted out of the water and he screamed and everyone didn't know what was going on. <laughs> like <laughs> Captain Hook and yeah. the crocodile. Yeah. Like some serious <laughs> PTSD. Yeah. Uh, He's but, still doing the tours. So I don't think he is anymore, but he did for a little bit after the attack. Yeah. So now he's like a motivational speaker. Uh, there's a ton of photos of him online, like paddling with one arm. Yeah. And, uh, he wrote a book called what's left of me, <laughs> which uh, is pretty much everything but an arm, I That's guess. That's a good title. I'm yeah. interested. Uh, 
Yeah, and you know, not bad for a guy that looks and sounds exactly like a Bond villain. <laughs> like you guys have to look him up. Yeah. Watch an interview with him and tell me I'm wrong because he's like this big bald white dude with a Zimbabwean accent, which everyone with a Zimbabwean accent sounds like a Bond villain, or at least every like big white guy like him. Anyway, so that's the story. Turns out I have a thing for stories of people being swallowed halfway by animals. <laughs> yeah. Because that's no, our that's second one. one. He did it. This one counts as like three, too, because he is halfway swallowed three separate times. Yeah, I mean, it really like worked the whole body yeah. on him. And honestly... I think it counts as being fully swallowed. Because yeah. he got his front, then he got his legs, and then he got his side. So he yeah. was fully swallowed, just not all at once. I mean, yeah. if he tried to join the swallowed club, they'd probably... They they'd, wouldn't have let him. They'd talk behind his back, <laughs> they but they'd would, let they. him in the club. Yeah. I, and I was wondering about that, actually, as I was driving over here. Like, is there an animal... Is there an attack where someone was fully swallowed? Yeah, dude, Joe. survived. You ever Joe. read the Bible? <laughs> Bible. <laughs> no, not Joe. Um, What's his name? Jonah. Jonah. Sorry, yeah, I, I honestly don't know. Like, probably, I saw this video recently of a humpback whale, like, swallowing some kayakers, immediately spit them back out, but I'm pretty sure they were, like, fully swallowed. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, It'd like. It'd have to be a whale, pretty much. Right? Yeah, I, I was trying to think of any animal besides hippos that have the capability of, like, even swallowing half a person. And really, it's just like great whites, hippos, snakes, do killer right? whales, yeah, like huge anacondas. Yeah, but that takes like it takes like hours. But I guess that's true. Yeah. Like they get fully swallowed. Yeah. yeah, or little babies. They probably get swallowed by animals a lot. <laughs> yeah, like baby humans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I guess it's really dark. Yeah, all the time. Um, anyway, you know what? As far as hippo attacks go. He's super lucky to have only lost an arm and to still be functioning. He mentioned that like he got really close to ruining his his private his parts. Day. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. But he's good. Yeah, he's good. But it like yeah. grazed that area and almost really messed him up down there too. I feel like such a like a child saying private parts. <laughs> What's the <laughs> word for that? I don't know, his dick. Anyways. Yeah. His willy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, most of these attacks that you read about hippos, either a person is completely devastated to the point where they die or they drown. And that, you know, going back to that stat that we talked about where it said up to 500 people die every year by hippos, I couldn't find any data for that. I think it's a pretty big guess. And I do think they count a lot of these attacks where like, I read about one where a hippo overturned a boat and 13 people died. And I imagine most of those people drowned but they accredited those attacks to the hippo. Um, so I think a lot of the hippo attacks that we read about are people drowning from a hippo attack, being their, having their boat flipped over or whatever. Some people think they flip boats because they appear to be a crocodile, which hippos hate. There's a lot of theories out there about hippo attacks. They are a really aggressive animal. They tend to only attack people in the water. Uh, when they're on land, they're generally feeding and they're much less likely to attack someone in the water is when you know you usually see these kind of attacks. But yeah, as far as that number goes, I'm not going to say that's an official number. They're known as being the like most dangerous animal in Africa. That's definitely not true. Crocodiles kill a lot more people than hippos. A lot more. Snakes kill a lot more than crocodiles. Skeeters? Skeeters kill the most out of all of them. Yeah. Uh, that's mosquitoes, mosquitoes. for those of you who don't <laughs> speak redneck. Um, anyway. anyway, so they're definitely not the most dangerous animal in Africa. 
for large mammals in Africa, they're one that you have to be really careful about. I would be surprised if they kill more people than Cape buffalo and elephants, though. Cape buffalo kill elephants? Cape buffalo are the meanest animal in Africa. Really? Yeah. How do you quantify meanness? Just like... They're just, just always swearing, hey. smoking, hanging out in the back alley. <laughs> no, that just sounds like the coolest animal in oh, Africa. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're just like constantly charging people. They're very, very aggressive and territorial. So one thing that's really interesting about hippos is their their history. Like, first of all, a really interesting thing is that their closest living relative are whales. So you'd think that they're like related to elephants or pigs or whatever. And pigs are somewhat close, but whales are their closest living relatives. So essentially what happened with whales is they shared a common ancestor with hippos that lived on land. And then it evolved into an animal that moved back into the water, which is pretty rare, evolutionarily speaking, that something goes back to the ocean. Yeah, it's really cool. Turned into a whale. And then, you know, it also branched off and turned into hippos. So that's really interesting. And then another really interesting thing is some of their modern history. So one thing that I had no idea about that I read about was that um, in 1910, uh, there was this legislator who introduced the American Hippo Bill. And what his idea was, was that we introduce a large number of hippos to the bayous of Louisiana. And he wanted to do that because there was this invasive plant that was taking over down there. And the idea was that hippos would eat that plant and they would provide meat for Americans during this meat crisis that was going on at the time. And it just seems like such a wild idea to introduce <laughs> yeah. an animal that big into an ecosystem. But the crazy thing is President Teddy Roosevelt supported it. The Department of Agriculture supported it. And it just barely didn't pass like Congress. Oh. Probably because there was someone in there that was like, wait. <laughs> These are like 6,000 pound idea. animals. <laughs> yeah. And they're mean as hell. Yeah. So another, you know, speaking of introductions, another thing that's really interesting to me and, uh, and like something I could just, we could probably do a whole another episode on, like outside of attacks, is that when Pablo Escobar, uh, when his complex got raided and they kicked him out of it, he had four pet hippos that were living there. And the people that. He had like a full zoo. Right. But these hippos were so hard to like get out of the water or remove or whatever, they just left them. So they left these four hippos and then they escaped into the wild. And they're breeding and reproducing. And to this day, there's hippos in Colombia, and there's up to a hundred of them now. And they're oh, like, that's crazy. They're really changing the ecosystem of those waterways because their waste is so like nitrogen rich and it changes everything. But I read this really kind of interesting paper that talks about how they could potentially be filling this niche in that ecosystem that like really big mammals that went extinct tens of thousands of years ago used to fill and so like there's this small argument for just keeping them there (laughs) but people are scared of them they're doing like really well right yeah i mean they're they're it's been like like, the environment in colombia yeah it's been like 30 years and there's a hundred of them and they started at four and for a big animal like that that's pretty fast reproduction i'll post a video on the instagram there's like a crazy video of a hippo just walking down a street in like a town in Columbia, oh really yeah and it's just insane like it's so big and people are just standing right next to it so a little bit more about their biology really quickly there's only two uh, living species of hippo there's like the typical african hippo that we've all seen and then there's pygmy hippos i don't know too much about pygmy hippos but 
they exist. And both types can wiggle their ears all cute? I think so, yeah. Okay. I think they're both ear wigglers. They average, males average around 3,300 pounds, females around 2,900 pounds. But again, the males can get up to like eight or 9,000 pounds. They're roughly 12 feet long, but they can get bigger than that too. Um, as I mentioned, they're not nearly as aggressive on land, and that's where they do most of their feeding. They can run, some things said like 20 miles per hour, some said 30, so we're just going to split the difference and say 25. I read um, they can run faster than Hussein Bolt. Uh, how fast does he run? 23 miles per hour. Yeah, they're faster than him. Yeah. I would Hippo would be a first-round draft pick if I was starting an animal football team. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Mike, yeah. Uh, without saying a Yo Mama joke, can you think of anything that's like 8,000 pounds off the top of your head? Yeah, I could. It's An 8,000-pound meteorite. <laughs> that's a pretty good answer. Um, one of the more interesting things I learned about hippos is that they're not good swimmers and they don't float. So when you see hippos like with their back sticking out of the water and their head sticking out of the water, they're in shallow water and they're standing on the bottom. Like when they are in deeper water, what they do is this kind of porpoising thing where they'll like sink to the bottom and then they like push up um, and that's how they swim. And the reason they spend so much time in the water is because their skin is really sensitive to like UV radiation and the harsh African climate. So they have to stay wet. And when they are out of the water, they secrete a reddish orange oil that's like sunscreen to them. And they call it blood sweat because it's like really bright red yeah, okay that. yeah i've heard like a weird maybe it's not even a rumor but hippo cows have uh pink milk is that maybe what that's a byproduct I of maybe don't know or have you even heard that that could be just like i a, read that yeah okay yeah. Huh. i don't know i that's a thing i wonder that if I they sell that anywhere now. like if it's some <laughs> delicacy somewhere yeah. they could probably like sell it like this would make you more fertile or yeah something like, like as an aphrodisiac yeah for sure pink yeah. milk yeah, yeah. Definitely. You should start that. <laughs> Forget this whole podcast let's not, thing. Let's not start exploiting hippos. Uh, their skin is two inches thick, so it's really hard for anything to kill a hippo. There's like a couple anecdotal observations of lion prides killing hippos or killing hippo calves. Oh, wow. A crocodile can kill a hippo calf, but there's really not much that kills these guys. They don't have a lot to be afraid of. If anything, it would be a pride of lions that could take them down while they're on the land. They sleep underwater and they actually rise to take breaths subconsciously. So they'll be sleeping and then oh, they're wow. on their own. They just kind of do these little rises to take breaths. And they don't, that's not like a decision they're making. Their bodies just do that for them. Okay. So that's kind of some basic biology on hippos. Uh, where they live too, they live throughout sub Saharan Africa, mostly in coastal Africa on the west side. And then throughout kind of Central Africa in just lots of different waterways. So if you're near water in Sub-Saharan Africa, there's a possibility that you're around hippos. So just be aware of that. I read, just following up on what you already said, that they like close their ear holes and nose holes. And it allows them to run on the bottom of the water. Yeah, they're like a nickname of theirs is water horse because... Again, they're not like swimming underwater. They're kind of like running underwater. Trotting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Maybe like seahorse would be a cool name. Yeah. Sometimes hippos do go out in the ocean so and we swim got around in the sea ocean. Seahorses, water horses, and horses. Horses. Yeah. They're okay. Mike's least, least yeah. favorite animal. Oh, that'll come up later. Trust me. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, that's kind of our basic hippo stuff. Look up Paul Templer. There's a lot of really great articles and interviews with him. 
pretty interesting dude. This is a great story. Yeah. Like, he's like flipping them around and like swallowing different parts of them and stuff. Yeah. I mean, tricks. and it was like very in view of everyone else that was there. I think it was pretty horrific to see a hippo shaking a person like a dog. Mm. And you have to just like, if you're one of those people watching it, I would just be like, oh, he's dead. That person's 100% yeah, dead. Yeah, that's a good point. You know? You'd be so surprised once you, like, pick up their body and they And like, he's like, oh, Help! that really hurt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but then the hippo got chased off, so it's like an underdog story. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, he won. He, he, I still don't know if I would say he won. All right, so uh, that's the story. I think we'll launch into our categories. Let's do it. Um, let's start off with our favorite hippo from pop culture. Yeah, uh, so the Disneyland Jungle Cruise. Oh, that's a good hippo. The hippo, like, comes up by the boat and wiggles that's his right. ears at you. And, like, even in, like, that boat with, like, the animatronic hippo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was close. Yeah, yeah I got, got nervous halfway It's a hard word. I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, like, I'm feeling like this boat's kind of small for a hippo. Like, yeah. I wouldn't want to get in a canoe by the hippo that big. It's crazy the, like, size of boats they can rock or flip. They're, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That was, yeah. A, that was a clutch yeah. hippo. Mike? Uh, so, this is, I couldn't think of a single hippo uh, in pop culture or fiction or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I went with the hip hop apotamus. Oh, yeah. From, from Flight, Flight of the Concords. <laughs> I thought of that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I went with the dancing hippos from Fantasia. Uh, one of our listeners really, really put in a plug for Fiona the hippo, which is a really um, famous premature born zoo hippo that's really cute and everyone loves her. But I am going to go with the dancing hippos from Fantasia. Fantasia was like one of my favorite movies growing up. And that scene was always a fun one. So that's what I'm picking. I just need to shout this one out. Some Dutch programming show had Dolph the fascist hippo. (laughs) And he was a foul-mouthed, racist, fascist hippo. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, I'm going to look that up a little bit. That's really interesting. Show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't get too into Dolph's uh, worldviews, please. No. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so our next category, I think this one fits pretty well for this story. We're going to do the Anaconda scale. John Voight's a villain in that movie, and yeah. he, like, leads people with villainous intent. Paul isn't a villain at all, even though he... Totally sounds you and looks like him one. Sound like one. <laughs> he sounds and looks like one, but he's not. He's like a pretty inspiring motivational speaker. But I'm gonna give him a John Voight. It's pretty much literally what John yeah. Voight does is take <laughs> exactly. people on dangerous cruise trips. Right. With the intent of finding a wild animal. And yeah, I mean this other guy ends up dying and he you know, Paul ends up getting viciously mauled by this hippo. So I'm I'm gonna say John Boyd. He also gets swallowed, which yeah, literally that's a good yeah. qualification. A, a tick towards more of an ice cube uh, yeah. than uh, his, Owen Wilson, but I think Boyd's his motivations are more of an ice cube or Owen Wilson. Like he's not a bad guy, yeah. but he his like actual actions are very John Boydy. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna move on to our cage match category, Mike. Horace. Oh yeah. Uh, so the cage match, basically, what we do is we take the animal of the week and we compare it in a fight situation with the other animals that we've discussed, how it stacks up, kind of where it would rank. Um, and they're like in an area they can't escape. So in they a cage have to fight. fighting. Nicholas uh, Cage. 1v1 against Nicholas Cage. <laughs> this animal, again, is one that's kind of weird because it could be terrestrial. It could be aquatic. So I think we can kind of compare it to both. And oh, I th- nice. I think 
the only animal we've talked about that gives it a run for its money is the great white underwater. Really? It would take all of the other, like a polar bear, tiger, all of those? Yeah. Cool. I think so. What would its uh, strategy be? Like, what what do they do in they just, this situation? Do they, like, they square up? or bite into them and pull them underwater, okay. just like it did with Paul. I mean, like, truly use those huge teeth to just, like, but we're instantly pretty much like kill them. But we're saying the polar bear and the tiger, it's on land. Yeah, on land they're maybe a little bit more vulnerable, but I, you know, watching but that, like what's their strategy? Watching that video of that lion, just to bite, where it. the lion comes up and kind of sniffs at it and then walks off. The hippo just charges after it, grabs it by the head and chucks it, and it's like a full adult lion. I mean, it's what like you said, six, seven thousand pounds, right? Two the big inch ones, thick. Yeah, there's nothing like skin. It takes a pride of lions to maybe bring one down, and yeah. that's a. It's like a challenge for them. So a pride maybe, of lions kills any of our other animals. Yeah, maybe all of our land animals so far versus the hippo. That'd be a good fight. They could, yeah. All of our land like animals, like the polar so bear, a grizzly bear, a black bear. They're chimpanzee. coordinating chimpanzee. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all, oh, and the That's tiger, a good question. and they're all fighting the hippo. I think they could all bring it down if okay. they're coordinating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if the hippo's underwater and you got a big great white, I would say the great white. Okay. Because um, they don't really, from what I understand, they're like not great at like biting underwater as much as they bite up on land and bring something underwater. So I think if they're underwater, the great white's winning. Uh, they kill crocodiles all the time. Crocodiles are bigger than alligators. So we're going to give that to the hippo. So really, right. it's only it's only a threat is a great white underwater. We have we a have new that. champ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hippo is yeah. going to be hard to overthrow yeah. until we do elephants. Although Nicholas Cage in Sorcerer's Apprentice has some cool magic. Um, oh, sorry. For a second there, I had no idea what you were talking about. That's understandable. Okay, so our next category is what would you guys do if you were attacked by a hippo? So what are Mike and Jeff going to do? All right, I can start us Go off. Go for it. So I actually think this one's pretty easy. Okay. <laughs> so you all you need is like a four foot metal bar. Okay. That's all I need. Right. It opens its mouth, yawns because it's mad at me. Mm-hmm. I stick the bar in its mouth. I like the rain. Can't close its mouth now. I start going in its mouth, mm-hmm. tie its tongue in a knot. Okay, so you're going in after you yeah. prop open its mouth. I'll tie its tongue in a knot so it can't like lick the bar and get rid of the bar. Okay. And then I just crawl down in there and grab its heart and rip it out. Oh, dead. How how thick is your bar? It's like the one Homer uses in the rocket to close the door. Okay, Mike? Uh, Yeah, I don't, that doesn't sound that easy. But mine, (laughs) I know I've seen a lot of videos, and I'm not sure if it's because hippos love watermelons or Uh we just love filming hippos eat watermelons. But I would take a bomb and paint it like a watermelon. Ooh, interesting. And throw it in its mouth. Okay. Yeah. So this has quickly turned into a, how are you guys going to kill a hippo? Uh, (laughs) Not so much. How are you going to avoid an attack? Which is pretty dark. I don't want to kill any hippos. But to answer you, uh, Jeff, you're like started off with the bar. I was like, huh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I think it would be really hard to get it wedged in there just right. If it was a skinny enough bar, the reason I asked you that, I don't think the hippo would have any problem just bending it, closing its mouth, and bending it in half. Mm. Um, the rest of your answer is terrible. You know, if, if it were me, get the bar in there, get out of there. And the bar is terrible too. Don't get me wrong. The bar is also a bad idea. <laughs> uh, Mike, 
yours is just uh, really terrible in general because I mean, you're trying to kill a hippo, explode it. It's a fight to it. survive situation. That's the way it I'm doesn't sound it. like it. It sounds like you're throwing a watermelon <laughs> to a hippo with its mouth open. Yeah, everyone else is throwing their water. It, it'll never expect it. Okay. What you actually should do, uh, if any of you find yourselves on a river or in the bush with a hippo, first of all, the main thing is to avoid being attacked. So make your presence known. Look for any hippos that are acting aggressively, opening their mouths, slapping the water with their with their faces, any kind of like big vocalizations. You just really want to pay attention to what they're doing. Uh, if you're in a boat, sometimes one guy that I read, what he said to do is you should tap the side of your boat often so that they realize that you're around. They don't mistake it for like a crocodile. If you're on land, you want to avoid thickets or places where you don't have a good line of sight. Because hippos do go on land pretty often, and if you surprise one, it might turn around and attack you. Uh, if you're being attacked on land, climb a tree. It's foolproof. They can't even jump. Hippos can't jump physically. Climb a termite mound or get up a hill. Those are great ways to get away from a hippo on land. Yeah. Are they afraid I, of termites or no, something? No, they just can't get you up there. They're big. Termite mounds are huge. But, but then you They're not worry, that bad. You got to worry about the termites then. Uh, yeah, you might get some... I forgot about your ant story that you got kind of a fear of little <laughs> yeah. bugs. But... You just tie the termites' tongues in knots. From what, <laughs> from what I read, it's all about avoiding an attack. So you're just paying attention to your surroundings, trying not to be attacked in the first place. If a hippo actually does attack you, all you can do is what Paul did which is essentially like fight back as hard as you possibly can, but you're probably going to die. If you're attacked by a hippo, more so than any other animal, your chances of dying are very high. So really, there's not a lot you can do aside from avoiding it. Uh, if you are in hippo country and you're doing these canoe tours or whatever, and you can have a gun, I would bring a gun um, and know how to use it because the, it's a real threat. Okay. So that's kind of what you should do. Again, I'm not a hippo expert. That's what I could find online. There's not a ton of information, but that's kind of the best stuff I could find. So where can you see them? I kind of mentioned that already. They're throughout sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, there's, they're pretty easy to see. I went to South Africa. I went into Kruger National Park, and I probably saw 30 hippos. So they're they're not hard to find. You can find. Did them you see them more in the water or out? All of them were in the water, or right next to the water. Did yeah. any of them wiggle their ears? All, all of them pretty much wiggled their ears. That's cool. Yeah, like a hundred percent. Yeah, they're pretty. I mean, they do a lot of ear wiggles. All right. So how are we messing things up for them? They are poached pretty extensively. Uh, the IUCN, which is kind of a regulatory group for wildlife conservation, ranks them as vulnerable. There's roughly 150,000 in the wild, but there used to be a lot more than that. What do poachers gain from a hippo? So they do use their tusks for like a type of ivory. Mm. And then also it's not nearly as valuable as like elephant ivory or rhinoceros horn or something like that, but they do use them. Um, I imagine they're used in the traditional medicine market. I couldn't read too much on that. And then also for bush meat, I guess they taste pretty good. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So they are vulnerable. They've lost a lot of habitat, but there's plenty of them out there right now. They're not endangered, but they do need protection. Okay, Jeff, do you have some listener questions? Yeah, I do. All right, first question. Was Mike trying to look like an old-timey Dutch boy with that haircut? <laughs> it was not a direct inspiration, but I do have Dutch family history, so it could have been like a genetic thing. All right, and that that's from Curly Pothook. Oh, thanks, Curly. <laughs> um, we got one from Carl Balling. 
Sorry if I'm saying your name right. I I mean your name wrong. Obviously, I can't speak very well. But uh, if you had to live in the body of an animal for a full year, what animal would it be and why? Uh, for me, I think it would be a raven because they're one of the only birds that we think flies and like for fun will go up and like do loops and like flies around for fun. And I would definitely want to be a bird if I could live in an animal's body because I'd want to fly. So it would be, for me, it would be probably a raven. How about you, Mike? I was, sorry, I wasn't listening. I was still thinking about the hair quest. I'm just glad someone's asking about my hair. It makes me feel good. I'm kind of thinking sea turtle. Yeah, that's a good answer. Just kind of float around. Can they get very deep in the water? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And they live in, like, beautiful parts of the ocean sometimes. And they seem pretty chill most of the time. You'd have to be scared of sharks. Yeah, you get eaten by some stuff. So maybe I'd want to be a shark. But... I agree. For me, it was between like an ocean animal and a, and a bird, but I definitely want to be a bird. I'd want to be able to fly. Yeah. Can we pick animals from any time in the history of the world? Like sure. Dinosaurs? Yeah. I'd be a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what kind would you be? Oh, I have to pick. Probably a crocodile. <laughs> okay. You could be that without being a dinosaur. All right. Whatever. Let's go to the next question. Okay. Miriam Boss? Oh, yeah. How do you feel after watching Tiger King? I watched Tiger King, and I feel like those people shouldn't have tigers or big cats. Uh, I think anyone that breeds a wild animal... What do you mean by those people? Anyone I was getting to that. Anyone that breeds a wild animal just for the purpose of like a tourist attraction where people can touch it and pet it and like take a photo with it is doing a real disservice to that animal. But Carol Baskin seems all right. I fully believe that she probably murdered her husband. (laughs) But as far as her preserve, it seems like she is actually like... She cares about She's not handling them and they're not just like a photo op. If you you have a wild animal like a tiger or a, a big cat or whatever, and you're using it just to make money off of it and exploit it, you shouldn't have it. And I actually think the, uh, the Big Cat Act was just passed, which is going to make that illegal for people to have those petting, cub petting operations and stuff, which is great. Yeah, I think I think he should be in jail. I think they all should be in jail. Totally. It he makes is. me feel yeah. like greasy and criminal. All right. This one's from Sky as the High. Has a bear ever Dutch ovened you while you were in its den? <laughs> Uh no, they don't really. What really? Their whole like system's pretty much shut down. Like their whole digestive they don't system even and everything. Poop in their den. So they're not pooping. They're what? not farting. Really, yeah, that's not happened. The bear den surprise like, plugged up. Yeah, bear den smells surprisingly good because yeah. they usually rip up like pine and stuff until and, you get in there. Yeah, exactly. I'm the one smelling it up. <laughs> so no, but they, that's a great question and very um. Imagine it. The Dutch oven, can you explain what that is? Yeah, for those of you who don't know what a Dutch oven is, it's when you fart underneath the covers and then pull the covers over your head so that you're just kind of swimming in it. What are your most hair-raising, butt-puckering experiences with an animal in the wild? (laughs) I'm trying to think of times that my butt is puckered. (laughs) (laughs) It looks pretty puckered in that National Geographic picture. Well, so that's the that's the one I think of. Like me and Jeff had to crawl into an eighty foot den with a three hundred and fifty pound bear in it, and it was a really narrow little tube that we had to go in. And that was one of the like most scared I've ever been around an animal. That's like most scared I've ever been in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So that let's just say that one. There's been there's been some other dens that were really scary, but that one probably takes the cake. 
You were more scared then than like during the housing market crash of 2008? Yeah, I was. Okay, let's do one more question. Okay. Which country in the world do you think has the most exciting range of animals? Uh, For me, it's probably India. And this is from Michaela. Okay. Michaela, for me, it's probably India. They have so many different types of animals, and I'm constantly like looking up an animal and then being surprised that it lives in India. So they have the most bear species. Give uh, us like your top tied 10 with China. In India? animals that live in India. Okay, so tigers, sloth bears, snow leopards, Asian elephants, doles, which is a type of wild dog, spectacled cobra, uh, leopards, red pandas. There's so many more that I'm just like blanking on. Yeah. Well, uh, you did peacocks get. are cool. And then they have like a ton of ungulates. So they have like tons of different types of deer and stuff too. I mean, they have a, a ton of stuff. I'm blanking. Oh, Asiatic lions. Yeah. They got a ton of stuff. For me, it's India. All right. Okay. Um, thanks for the questions, guys. We really like answering them. It's a fun part of the podcast. So thanks and keep sending them in. Okay. So our final category is do we like this animal? I, I just think that for how aggressive... Um, and how, you know, they think they're so awesome. They're like, not that awesome. They're not that cool looking. I don't think, uh, they seem to have a really bad case of wet dog nose. It's like, you know, when they're in the water all the time. Well, yeah, I know it's not their fault, but like, it doesn't mean, you know, when a dog like runs by you and like whisks its nose across your hand, it's like, ew, gross. Yeah. You wipe it off real quick. It looks like a hippo's entire body yeah because they're in the water yeah it's not their. i said it's not their fault they have okay. no choice but they're just like their weird skin they right. kind of look like pig pig skin i don't know why this is gross. offending me but it kind of is yeah, i just hate them <laughs> I, jeff i like hippos uh i think they're kind of weirdly cute yeah like it's kind of like the what yeah, it's kind of like when you see something ugly that's cute, so, like a baby, yeah, a human like baby. When their heads are like on the water and they're twitching their ears. and they When have they like, wiggle their ears, it's cute. And in the zoos, like baby hippos are so cute. Baby hippos are cool. Yeah, baby I'm, hippos I'm, are I'm cute. on board with baby hips. Okay, uh, this is not one of my favorite. I'm going to rank it number 20. 20. No, 25. Okay. It's uh, like rank a billion. They're me. not. <laughs> so uh, for me, they're not one of my favorite animals, but I do like them. I actually think in, like, we mentioned this already, but in zoos, I think they're one of the coolest animals to see in a zoo because they usually have these enclosures where you can see them underwater and stuff, and they, like, are weirdly graceful underwater. But I'm kind of with you, Mike, in that, like, they're not the most, like, visually appealing animal, and they're really smelly. One thing that I forgot to mention that hippos do, like male hippos, when they poop, they like fan their tail back and forth, and it just sprays like their their poop like everywhere. <laughs> I've and seen it's, that. It's a dominance thing, and it's like claiming their territory. I'm just gonna say, I think they're interesting in that they fill this kind of weird niche of like a huge mammal that lives in rivers and stuff. So I'm super interested by hippos, but I don't feel any kind of real connection to them. So I'm gonna put them somewhere in the middle of like animals that I like, but I like them all. We know yeah. that. They're not endangered. It's like the one animal we've talked about that's not endangered. Well, they're vulnerable. I okay. mean, they're on that Cool list. name, hippopotamus. That is a cool name. Cute babies, wiggle yeah. their ears, really tough. No one would miss him if they died out. People would miss him for <laughs> sure. <laughs> what, what about Paul? All right, we can't say that. We can't say that no one would miss it. <laughs> what do they do? What about Paul? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Uh, I don't think I have to tell you guys this at this point, but don't listen to Mike when it comes to this kind of stuff. 
hippos fill a niche. They're important to the ecosystem. We need hippos. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> I think this is our first fight over whether or not we like an animal. Dude, welcome to being his roommate. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> just just uh, tell me what type of shake you have, dude. Anyway, so we're going to wrap it up. Uh, for you guys out there like listening, and if you like the podcast, something we would really love for you guys to do is share it with your friends. If you have Instagram, share our Instagram. Tell everyone about the podcast. We're trying to grow it. We want to be able to do as many of these as possible. So share it, rate us, review us, do all that good stuff. We've read all the reviews. It makes us feel really positive moving forward. And, totally. You know, it's easy to doubt different things about what you're doing. So thanks for the great feedback. Yeah. And I just want to say that we really love our friend Mike. I feel like we were a little hard on you this episode. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, you know, it's, it's on me. All right. Uh, thanks again, guys. And we'll see you soon. Hi, listeners. This is Jason Liu, creator of Birds of Empire. I am beyond excited to introduce our new season and dive back into the world of New Dakota. Birds of Empire follows four young people from the clans of New Dakota. The bears, the rams, the birds, and the wolves. Each hero we follow will struggle with their own demons, burdens, and hopes as their battles play out across a sprawling, lush, and brutal landscape unlike any that's come before it. Birds of Empire is a modern folk epic that blends elements of history, fantasy, and myth to tell the story of an incredible world that might one day be. Book one, The Dawn Age, introduced us to the world and the heroes who call it home. Book two, the Seed of White Rock continues our heroes' journeys as destinies collide, revolution brews, and new alliances are formed. All things return. Follow now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to never miss an episode.